Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. Hey everybody, it's Seymour here to tell you all about today's episode. Uh, every now and again, we get really lucky here, and the podcast gods uh, smile upon us uh, welcome us with open arms uh, and just give us a guest who is just so, so great. Today, we are lucky to have one of those guests. Uh, Undies of Wandy and I recently had the chance to talk to Ken Reed, uh, who you might know from the TV Guidance Counselor podcast, or you might know him from his stand-up also. If you don't, I highly suggest checking him out. Undies of Wandy and I checked him out in Boston a couple weeks ago, and it was a great show. So if you get the chance to go see Ken, absolutely go check him out. Um, but if you're uh, a fan of TV, then today is this is your episode. This absolutely is your episode. Uh, Ken is a veritable fountain of knowledge when it comes to TV. Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of stuff about movies and TV, a lot of useless facts. Uh, and Ken is just on another level from where I am, which is incredibly impressive. Uh, but we had such an awesome time just talking. Um, we talked about kind of our thoughts on reality TV we talk about some of the stuff from uh, you know 80s TV when we were younger that scarred us for life. Uh, talk about some of our favorites in TV. Uh, so again, if you love TV, then this, you're going to love this episode, absolutely. And if you don't love TV, you're still going to love this episode because it's a great conversation. Uh, I, we just had such a fun time, and I really hope that comes through in the interview. I really hope you enjoy it. So here you go. Transmissions from the Evil Lair with Ken Reed. Yeah. And you're allowed to curse. Yeah, everybody, oh. everybody always asks that. I know I always forget to tell people that on my show, and uh, it's usually far too late where they already have, and then they feel bad, but where I tell them it's okay. Like, I always do, so I always tell people, I'm like, if we weren't allowed to curse on this show, I wouldn't be allowed on it. Yeah, it'd be a drastically right. different show. It'd be a three-minute show. Yeah, by myself, in a room, probably dark, you know. <laughs> I always wanted to go through my show and just revoice all the swears, like I made like a TV edit. <laughs> what the flip? Like that? Uh, there's an old Mr. Show sketch where they uh, like the the cable version of Goodfellas. The best thing is, uh, Repo Man. When Alex Cox made that movie, he made them write into his contract that he could write the swears for the TV version. <laughs> so they're all really weird, and instead of motherfucker, they say melon farmer. That's amazing. It's really great. That's awesome. Somebody. We're not even started yet. We're already getting into it, but whatever. Let's just okay. lean into the uh, lean into this kid. Um, somebody, somebody, like they had to have a similar deal with the Big Lebowski on cable because that has some really weird ones too. What does it have? Um, instead of like this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. It's a uh, like this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. That's amazing. Oh, nice. One of my favorite one things is in uh, Return of the Dead. Um, one of the guys has a varsity jacket that says "fuck you" on the back. Yeah. And, 
So they reshot all those scenes with a jacket that said TV version. Because <laughs> awesome. so it's pre CGI and everything, so they had to just do a different, yeah, they just a do different an ultimate jacket. take, a clean yeah. take. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing that I can think of that I've, I watched that was like severely edited was Mean Girls, and they just like openly cut out shit. Like, just, yeah. just, I'm like, this movie's not even that bad. Like, what? You could just play yeah. it. There's nothing wrong with this. Not even F words. <laughs> Um, all right, yeah, but we'll get started. Uh, welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, I, of course, am C. Martin. Joining me here, Undies of Wendy. Uh, we are also joined today by an incredibly special, uh, yes, a very special guest. They're going to say sketchy. We have a very sketchy creep has just been he's just been stroking his mustache the whole time. <laughs> joining us, some dude we found at the bus stop. No, uh, uh, no we have. Uh, we're honored to have a very special guest. Uh, a TV expert, if you will, Ken Reed, uh, you can catch on uh, the TV Guidance Counselor podcast, uh, and as well as uh, you know various comedy gigs around the greater New England area. We saw Ken. We just saw Ken, actually. <laughs> yeah, we saw you uh, in Boston uh, at the Laugh uh, Boston show a week and a half ago. Oh, with Dana? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Should have said hello. We, we, we waited for you to come out, and then you didn't come oh, out. Oh, did you? So. What night was it? Uh, it was the late show on Saturday, the 10, 15. Oh, yeah. I was eating a Sunday and crying. <laughs> Aww. No, Dana was actually a guest on our show about a year ago, so we went to say you know, hi to Dana. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, I, when I saw you and Valerie were on the bill, too, it was uh, you know, a must, uh, you know, must-see show. Yeah, awesome. Dana's the best guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, TV. Uh, sorry, I, I got off uh, track there. Um, <laughs> Whatever. My fault. I uh, very like. Uh, you can back me up on this, uh, Undies. Uh, I have a vast use, you know, vast amount of useless knowledge concerning TV, concerning movies, especially uh, when my friend Tom is around, who's on this podcast occasionally. We can we can go into like black holes of just like TV knowledge, you know, movie knowledge. I am in awe of Ken's ability to like recall <laughs> TV facts. Wow. So, yeah. How did you um? How did you how did you get, you know, come about starting the podcast? Uh, well, I had every issue of TV Guide like a normal human being does. Uh, <laughs> so I've got all these. <laughs> yeah, um, which is is kind of true. I, I actually I, I collected them since I was a kid. I um I had a, a fairly horrible childhood, which is why I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh, but one of the only things I looked forward to was TV Guide, and I started reading very early. And so I also collected comic books. Uh, but I used to pay for my own subscription, and I would get it in the mailbox every week and plan my week around what was going to be on TV Guide. So I have all these TV guides, and I wanted to do a podcast for a long time, but I really didn't want to do one of those like comedians talk to other comedians about comedy i'm a comedian so you know by law i now have to have a podcast oh yeah and it's just like that's not even interesting to other comedians uh and and even really good podcasts i always felt sort of like at their best felt like you were eavesdropping on people at a restaurant where it was like oh this is an interesting conversation it'd be a lot better if i knew these people if they were my friends <laughs> so i didn't really have an interesting idea and I have all these TV guides in a spinning rack in my house, which I'm, I'm staring at it right now. And uh, when people would come over and hang out, they'd naturally sort of gravitate towards the TV guides and pick one up and flip through it and go, oh, remember this show? Remember this? And my friend, the very funny Boston comedian, Sean Sullivan, one day just said that that's the podcast. <laughs> just do that. Yeah. And that's pretty much exactly what it is, is, is someone picks an issue and we just kind of go through and talk about what they'd watch. That's super unique. I love it. Like, that's great. Well, yeah, it's a really great way to, like, it's a really good way to get to know somebody, especially like, 
you know, like in modern era, I mean, like it's you, people don't read books a whole lot. You know, a lot of people do, but like people that used to be the thing. People like, don't read. read what do you like? <laughs> yeah. What but it's, I mean, you into? But like it's now, just, it's what TV? You know, what, what do you watch? Like that kind you of. You can stuff learn a lot about people by what they watch on television. So yeah. Judging by what I watch on television, I'm a garbage person. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think all of America is garbage people based on the television that they watch these okay. days. I listen. I don't know. I, this is the perfect time for me to talk about how much of a trash bag I am. This is really just an intervention. I didn't want to tell you. Oh that. my god! Is it all? Okay. Is it all reality TV? Oh my god! I'm not even joking. You, I'm obsessed. Like it's it's a problem. Like I cannot stop watching horrible reality shows. It's like what's the worst one that you're well, you're stuck I'm on? I'm very proud to announce that I did not watch Floribama Shore last night or whatever okay. it was on. What the fuck is that? First of all, oh, is it a remake of Jersey Shore? But. In the Florida Alabama border. That's fine. Uh, Why? Floribama. Floribama sounds like the worst wrestler ever. Like his his gimmick is he's like a hick plant. Like, I'm Floribama. This is my people, move, the moonshine. The only people I know that watched it last night were watching it for an announcement about the Jersey Shore. Oh, so, that is so, bad. They are bringing the Jersey Shore back. Just so everyone. Why? Because. Why do we need someone to run for president in 2020? Is that why they're bringing it back? I would rather have Snooki for president at this point, which is really depressing. Uh, yeah, the yeah. other orange small person. So this is and, basically yeah. just like a placeholder until we can get like the the horrible people you already know are going to come back. But <laughs> here's some or, you know, some other horrible people you can follow until then. I mean, being the fa- the fact being that my parents just moved down to the Jersey Shore just makes it that much more delightful for me oh, because God. now I'm like this. See this? This is where you're from. This is you. This is your people. This is my culture. I have a connection here. But I mean, it's interesting though because the, first of all, I always point out to people that reality shows, if we read the credits, all have writers. Yeah. <laughs> That's always the funnest thing when I can point that out and people are like, no. Well, I'm like, I've, oh, yeah, this is just I've, bad actor. I've lived reality television before, and I know what? it is very made up and scripted. What reality TV did you live? Um, I was on Comic Book Men, which, I don't know, am I breaking NDAs probably? Were they going to not show your episode that was on a year ago? That's true. Um, very set up. Did they, did they give you the thing you were going to sell? Um, yeah, so, like, basically there's, like, a whole process, so... Um, you like go on and you like fill out the little application, and then if they find you interesting enough, um, you pick what you are gonna buy or sell. Um, right. For me, it's like I really wanted to be on it, so I, I gave them a scenario where I would buy something, and a scenario where I would sell something, and they wanted me to go in and buy a vintage Green Arrow Mego figure. Um, okay. So then they decided I was interesting enough, so they made me do like a thing on camera where um, I talked about all of the Green Arrow stuff I already have and basically showed off my entire apartment. And uh, they decided I was good enough, so they brought me in. Um, and they, like, almost changed my story, like, several times. Yep. About, they they yeah. were going to make me sell the thing I was going to buy at first. Because they thought that yeah, you didn't better. own. Yeah, it was just yeah I didn't own it. And I still don't own it because even though I bought it on the show... They handed me cash and made me pretend like I was paying people. Right. But I really don't have the thing. I could have bought it, but I did not because I'm stupid. But, but also, who wants a Mego Green Arrow? <laughs> me. I'm probably the only person the that only would one. want that. Really? Of all the Migos, Green Arrow? But I was just like, oh, yeah. Well, they, they really liked in my story, I would say, that... Um, 
Because I, I really do love Green Arrow. He's, like, one of my faves ever. But, like, not the Stephen Amell Green Arrow, like, cool mustachio Green Arrow. Oh, yeah. The hippie Batman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and they, like, brought into my story that I liked him because he had facial hair. Which was okay. really <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Um, because uh, Brian Johnson, who's on the show, has awesome yeah. facial hair. And then... When they had me say that line, when I watched the actual episode, they like zoomed in on Brian, like as if I like was gonna. Of jump course with they did. Phones. And they probably did like a little After Effects twinkle in your eye and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, and they also zoomed in on my boobs quite a bit, which was well, yeah. very awkward for everybody. Yeah. They maybe yeah, hug it. Get some real, real in the viewers here. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, well, AMC's Facebook page actually had to shut down comments because of all the comments about my boobs. So there Oh, dear God. I hope all positive. <laughs> Although you never know with internet comments. They might be like, oh, my God, those boobs are gay. In my experience, <laughs> the internet is rarely negative. <laughs> Almost never. never. Yeah. Almost never. never. Um, um, sorry, I forgot. Go so ahead. that's pretty much, that was my experience. And then I have a bunch of friends who were on... Um, Sci-Fi did a show called Heroes of Cosplay. Oh, yeah. It was entirely fucking staged. The yeah. whole thing. Oh, they all are. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I can't believe anyone doesn't know that now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's some that are really, really bad. Like, True TV used to show ones that they even had, like, a disclaimer, like, at the beginning, like, this is scripted, and it was about weird stuff like people towing cars in the south and stuff like you know, oh yeah yeah lizard yeah. lick towing yeah it was yeah, weird shit like that it would it would be like if the unsolved mysteries reenactments were just presented as documentaries yeah <laughs> just take out robert stack and like call it an anthology series you know yeah we get actual footage of bigfoot killing the unabomber but my question also is like when was the first I don't know. Well, I grew up like, you know, I'm kind of young, I guess. So I guess when like reality TV kind of made its resurgence, it was like a lot of people kind of didn't really know it was fake because I guess like, it just was kind of new. Well, yeah, yeah, you're you're kind of the generation that has always had reality TV. Yeah, like, it's probably as far and it's gotten it, it's gotten faker as well. I mean, the, the very first reality show was called American Family, and it was a PBS show in the '70s, and it followed this family called the Loud Family, and it was more or less a true documentary. And the youngest son on the show came out as gay on the show, and it was a huge, huge controversy. But it was the first gay person a lot of people saw on TV and uh, Albert Brooks's movie Real Life is based on that PBS series and then really the, the shot that rang around the world is the real world and yeah. the couple seasons of that were, were believe it or not pretty true it was, was the first season of that was, recently yeah it, it really was just like let's turn on let's throw these people in the house and like turn on a camera they didn't have like they weren't like given jobs at like you know radio stations or you know like fantasy shit that you would never have. Also, right. there were no cell phones back then, which yeah. I think has a really big effect on. But it was like it was it was real people like you saw yeah. you know they had day jobs they they went to like. Yeah, they don't do that anymore in the real world. They just lock them in a house. And, and like, yeah, again, with like. Oh well, yeah, but can't fight and fucking now. I mean, it, it, that's yeah. all they hope that happens. Like maybe they'll have sex and get in a fight. <laughs> So I mean, what like, else? What did they think is going to happen? Like, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I mean, the original real world was interesting because it was kind of a social experiment where they had 
people who really were from very different walks of life and yeah, would never live together. They had and a that was, girl who like went and made friends with a homeless girl under the yeah. bridge, and it was awesome. It was so cool. And they <laughs> yeah. like went to rallies and like did important shit. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. it made New York seem cool. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, this but is then, kind of just a side note off of that. I remember um, Norman, who was the, like you know the the gay guy on that show. Yeah. He, uh, he, like, he was at a rally, and they showed him once with his boyfriend, and his name was Charles. And then, like, I remember at the same time, maybe, like, maybe, like, a couple months down the road, uh, on WPIX out of New York, there was the Charles Perez show. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'm, like, people were, like, oh, my God, that's his boyfriend. Like, he was, like, kind of, like, outed almost by MTV. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, it was really weird, but, you know, it, That's uh, crazy. Yeah. It was, that was also, like, a very early, like you know, Ricky Lake type of show also, the Charles Perez show, I remember that one. Um, yeah, we, we got that here, because for some reason up in Boston we got WPAX, so we'd get that in the Richard Bay show. Yes, I remember that one. You guys are kind of like neighbors, like, you know. Yeah, see, we're, we're in Albany, so we were kind of, like, we're right in between Boston and New York. So right. we got the Boston channels, and we got the New York channels. I'm from cool New York, so... <laughs> Oh, Buffalo? Oh, yeah. God. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Chictawaga. Like. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Um, I remember, though, the first time that... This is where I was going with this, but I totally got off off track with awesome real-world com- conversation. But the one thing that like I remember like so vividly in my mind was... I used to watch Laguna Beach, and I remember the day that I realized right. Laguna Beach was fake. It was like life shattering. It was really upsetting to me. Like, oh yeah, I was like, "This is all a sham." Ten year old Amanda was so upset. Nothing means anything anymore. <laughs> what do you mean, Stephen and Lauren will never be together? What the hell is this? I can uh, I can almost pinpoint the exact moment I aged out of MTV. Was it Laguna Beach? Uh, no, I was <laughs> I was like uh, I was watching uh, like the Real World Road Rules Challenge or something like that. Oh, I love those. Like those one of those great. shows. Is and, that like, still on? I was at the point where I was like taping this show. We still had to like record stuff on the VCR. Oh, I remember that. Oh yeah. And like I'm like sitting there. I'm like I came home and I watched it and like it, I just started thinking to myself like I went out of my way to like record this show. Like this show is horrible. Yeah. Like, what the hell is wrong? I'm like oh my god. Like am I like over all this stuff like and you said that, that you said it was that, the inferno but... wasn't it i you know i honestly might have been it honestly might have been <laughs> i knew it your over reality shows but you still watch survivor i still watch survivor yeah but like that's that's a little bit more than just like mm. trash talking people you know and throwing wine at each other like right that's like a, a game show yeah there's it's like adult double dare in the woods basically adult <laughs> two, double dare in the woods I, two things I would watch that. Um, I uh, the the moment I realized I was too old for MTV, I was at the gym and they had that show Next on. Oh which God! Was I show. Show. And I remember being, and I'm not a prude, but I remember being offended by how sexual it was. Oh yes. Because <laughs> like, it was it was not even like double entendres. It was just like I'm gonna take these guys and I'm gonna bang them. Like it was just not even. It was a bus. Yeah, and it was like we're gonna go on the bus and have intercourse. Like it was like this. <laughs> really weirdly blunt at like three in the afternoon and i was like what the hell is this i remember do you remember room raiders on mtv it was around that same time oh Oh, yeah fuck no that's i yeah we're gonna have a bunch of people go through your room nope it's Uh, i know a girl in my high school was on that show and it was it first of all the episode was so cringy and nobody liked this girl so we all hate watched it together 
It was great. Ugh. But second of all, it was completely fake. Like, none yeah. of it was. No, you're gonna go through, I, oh, yeah. I need, like, a day's notice and a second location no, they to put, store they my stuff. No, they put shit in your room anyway. Even yeah. if you clean yeah. your room and it's fine, like... They put shit in there that's like weird. Like this one girl right. was like, they were like toenail clippings. It was like she obviously not hurt. I don't have a dildo made out of bongs. <laughs> <laughs> this girl would have that though. Like I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> it's not a dildo made out of bongs. It's a bong made out of dildos. Come on. Well, you know that's the that's the great debate of the ages. Yeah. Um, Who came first, the bong or the dildo? Well, you'll have to read the Bible for that. Um, <laughs> When I worked at our local CBS affiliate, it was the second season of Survivor, and we actually had the tryouts in our building. And Elizabeth, Hass- Elizabeth Hasselback came in and, and auditioned at our building, and they had to we had to build an obstacle course in the parking lot. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh wow! Like, I, that that I was like go on that show. kind I of I want to like segue here, but was was that like maybe like the last time like. There was like a huge like event on TV that like all of America watched, like the end of the first season of Survivor. It sort of was. They they tapped into something that it was summer of two thousand, and they it was the first time that a major network was doing new programming in the summer that wasn't just burning off unsold pilots. Yeah. So that big piece of it. Uh, they also managed to sort of tap into the sports model in that there was a winner and you had to watch it or someone would give it away. So you had to watch it time and date or else you'd miss out on who won and who was gone that week. So it was pretty smart uh, and people weren't as savvy knowing that you know this would be every show after that would be the same way. So it's the last one I remember. Maybe The Bachelor still kind of has some of that for people but I think it was the last huge one. Yeah, like there's just nothing, you know. I don't know. Well, it's probably you know mostly because of the internet, but like that used to be. I mean, like in the you know in the '80s, you know, even in the '70s, there were like TV events, like the end of Mash. Everybody watched the end of Mash. Like, what was the one that we were talking about that was on the Goldbergs? The one with the oh, Al, Al-, uh, Al Capone's vault. <laughs> oh, Al Capone's vault. Yeah, yeah good old Geraldo Rivera. Yeah. <laughs> on WPIX on like a Saturday night, I remember. He had to literally explain that to me, and he was just like, so they opened it, and there was nothing. And I'm just like, no. Yeah, Are yeah. Are kidding? I mean, and they hyped the hell out of it. And that's that used to be such huge money for these networks, and now they they keep trying to put that sports model onto different things to make event television, which is why we get a lot of those like live musicals, which even those the sort of bloom is off the rose on those. People aren't people are kinda of sick of it now. But that's why kind of the only network shows that do well are stuff like Dancing with the Stars or, you know, Splash or even Battle of the Network Stars revival. Battle of the Network. My that, mom. Is that like, like, like compared to like you know now that they're trying to bring it back now, but that was like a thing in the eighties. Yeah, like, my mom was like, oh, super into it in the eighties. Yeah, like you, it was like like Saturday nights. I think they usually showed them, and like you know, you you stopped what you were doing, and you were watching you know the cast of ABC's sitcoms like in a tug of war with the cast of like CBS's sitcoms. Like. But my mom was just saying this. She's like, the show doesn't work anymore because there's too many fucking networks. So yeah, she's like, there's just like people from like Pretty Little Liars and like Blue Bloods fighting each other, and it's very weird. <laughs> and there's no real celebrities that everybody knows anymore because everything's so niche. Like you, you had people who were essentially celebrity guest stars, like Charo, you know, or like the Lander sisters, and they really were just on the Love Boat and every other show like that. But everybody knew their name, yeah. and there's kind of nobody like that now. Yeah, professional guest star. Like Charles Nelson Riley, like professional yeah. game show, like you 
Rip Taylor, and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, if you ever wanted to see like Ed Begley, you know, on a trapeze with, uh, it's, you know, the I can't even think of any other. Like, Cheryl Ladd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know who that person is. They did used to. They did used to really play up the jiggle on that, and I was fascinated with uh, Battle Network Stars, and I've had I think four people on my show that were on it and hearing their stories of being on that show in the 70s and 80s is fascinating melanie chartoff because they they really paid you based on winning it didn't go to charity or anything so they would get like young actors and actresses who really needed money <laughs> they'd really be <laughs> trying to the win. hunger games go. yeah absolutely um and so like melanie chartoff was on it who was miss musso on parker lewis and um oh she dunked Tom Selleck in a dunk tank like nine times and he got pissed because <laughs> she was like, I'm winning this. <laughs> and she was on it a bunch. And uh, on the last one they ever did before they brought it back, um, Joanne Willett from Just the Ten of Us and uh, Olivia Dabo were on it. And, and they were just starting out and they won, but they were busting their ass to win that because they were living in like shitty apartments. And Olivia ended up buying her first house with the money from Battle of the Network Stars. That's amazing. That's, the, that's an inspiration story right there. Like, I'm motivated to live my life now. That's great. I wrote a bull longer than the dad on Just the Ten of Us, so I, you know... Yep. I, that's I great. That's a good goal, I think. <laughs> um, kind of shifting gears back to reality. Is there anything, you know, reality that you watch, you know, currently? Um, I, I, I wouldn't probably be... Um, categorized as reality, but I love like Cook's Country and America's Test Kitchen and this old house. Um, and, you know, I'll watch stuff like Counting Cars just because I like seeing the before and after. But the more sort of like antics around the shop, the, the less I enjoy those shows because I really just want to see like them fix a car. Yeah. <laughs> I used to so, have a weird fascination with watching New Yankee Workshop on Saturday mornings. Like, Oh, that's hypnotic. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Even funny. though Norm Abrams is a creep. <laughs> looks like your dad's weird friend who like you know yeah dad don't leave me alone with him and he's like hey you kids want to learn how to play guitar i mean i think that i watch so much shitty reality tv that like i can't pinpoint and like list all the things that i do watch but i will say the one reality show i cannot watch Cannot stomach is any of the Real Housewives shows. Too fucking oh, trashy so for me. Can't do it. Yeah, they're terrible. Because that's like, what is the point of those shows? Like, I'll, you know what I really loved was Tabitha Takes Over? Did you ever watch that? No. What is that? It was this terrifying Australian woman named Tabitha who looked like an actual elf. And she. Oh, I think I remember this. She's like a world-famous salon owner, yes. and she would come into these salons, which were just filled with trash bats, and then would just, <laughs> just like, take them, I'm taking over. And it was like Hell's you Kitchen. Know. Yeah, it was like Hell's Kitchen, but for hair salons. Yeah, I yeah, vaguely I, remember that, because I had a friend who was into it, like, big time, because she was a hairdresser. Oh, it was great. Yeah, yeah, and she would like, she was basically scream at people, like, you know, for cutting hair on. So, like, like Abby Lee Miller, basically, up the hair Gordon road. Ramsay, more yeah. like. Yeah, well, because, like, the two industries that I've worked in both or, or had friends that worked in both and know they attract the biggest messes are the restaurant industry and the hairdressing industry. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, tip-based things where people are like, I don't know, man, I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, like, so they're perfect for those kind of shows because they can go in and yell at people who are screwing up. <laughs> 
something about being able to handle a knife, I guess, like transitions well into like the cooking right. world. Right. <laughs> um, uh, what I, I hate when people ask me, like, well, what's your favorite movie or what's your favorite comic book? What is something that you, you know, kind of, what is something you find yourself going back to, though? Like something that you're always just, like, you're your comfort TV. Like for someone who's, like, so enveloped in the TV world, like, I mean, what do you watch when you just want to relax? I, I go back to sitcoms a lot. And especially in the last year when I've really wanted to unplug over the last 12 months, mm-hmm. uh, I find myself going back to shows like Just the Ten of Us, New Heart, Barney Miller, Kate and Alley, um, even Cheers, which are just good, sort of timeless. Yeah, I actually just started rewatching Cheers. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, Without me? I didn't know you wanted to watch Cheers. I love Cheers. What are you talking about? Uh, that, was like, that was a show that was always in syndication when I was like a teenager or younger. So like, it was always just on. And plus, it was still on like on TV, like on NBC. So I right. kind of, like took it for granted how good of a show that was. It was just there. And like I hadn't watched. I mean, I've seen like every episode, but I hadn't watched it in probably like ten years. And like, it's it's an amazing show. Yeah, the old was. The theme- Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, it seems like it's so sad. <laughs> and amazing. I mean, it's a depressing show, and it's a really sad show about alcoholics. Yeah. But they're great characters, and I, I've, as I've gotten older, that show has always seemed too old for me, but as I've gotten older, I've really appreciated how many layers are in that show, and how much about class and, um, and status it's about, and it's just amazing. Like, yeah, there's the whole show- thing with them versus Melville's, like... Yeah, or even just the stuff like, you know, that the being an alcoholic is a great equalizer. So you have people like, well, I always say this on my show that I, I hate Frasier on Frasier, but I love Frasier on Cheers, because they're totally different characters. And like, Frasier on Cheers is a pompous ass, and he's a doctor, and he's supposedly better than all these people, but at the same time, he's at that bar every week with them, because he's an alcoholic. And yeah. so Sam, who's who's in recovery, you know, Sam's sober, he kind of has that overall them. It's like a power dynamic that he's, you know, not drunk, and they are. And it's sort of this weird, um, this weird sort of class thing that's underlying the whole show. And it's intentional, you know, it's all, it's, it's all in there, but it's still funny and bittersweet and sad and, and a great show. Huh, I never, yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's, that's deep, man. Yeah. That's real <laughs> Sorry, deep. I think about, I think about this stuff way too much. <laughs> the theme song, not only, be, like, not only the fact that it's super sad, but it's even sadder remembering that my high school used that, like, in all of the, like, promotional things, like, for our school, like, where everybody knows your yeah, name. Yeah, everybody knows your name, because, oh. yeah, you're going someplace where everybody's life is as shitty as yours, and they're like, Honestly, that's I mean, yeah. what better metaphor for high school is there? Let's be honest. That's true. <laughs> high school's like a bar without the drinks. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed to drink yet. Fuck. Actually, all Kate, the aggression, though, still there. Yeah. Kate and Alley has one of my favorite depressing theme songs, which is, I think it's a totally underrated show. And uh, there's a line in that theme song that goes, uh, Sometimes tears and sorrow are all the friends you've got. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's oh. like, just what you think, you're all by yourself, you're not. Because it's about these two women who are friends. But I'm like, man, that's a brutal line. <laughs> that is really brutal. Well, speaking of theme songs, though, what what's the your favorite TV theme song? Like, it just brings you joy and happiness. Misfits of Science. Uh, I vaguely, vaguely remember that. 
It's incredible. It starts off with this sort of like 1940s big band version, and it's all like, those misfits, misfits of science, and then a foot just comes in and kicks this TV over, and it's got this 80s like, guitar sound, and then it's just this like, yeah, yeah, it's like this ridiculous 80s rock and roll, like, science, straight from the heart, like that just husky voiced. You singing Uh, like that really like made me feel like I was listening to it. Oh, well, thanks. Um, yeah, it's great. And, of course, the Just the Ten of Us theme is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, sung by B.J. Thomas, written by Stephen Dorff. Uh, Stephen Dorff, the actor's actor father. Stephen Dorff, really? His father wrote all the music for Growing Pains and Just the Ten of Us. And yeah, That's a great one. Like, That's a great one. And he, he also wrote one of my other favorites, which is the Spencer for Hire theme, which is fantastic. Instrumental. I was going to say, wasn't it like, like a jazzy like saxophone, maybe? In season two, it was. So season one was pretty good theme. They re-orchestrated it for season two, and it sucked. And then season three, they kind of took the best of both of them, and it's perfect. <laughs> wow. I, uh... Before we kind of we went on the the theme song thing, I was kind of like I'm still thinking about the depressing aspects of like sitcoms, and like I'm now realizing that like Saturday nights on NBC was basically like Forgotten Elders Night, like elder abuse. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you had the Golden Girls, which was about like it's a great show. You know, a bunch of older women yep. who really had like you know they had them you know each other the older the husbands. The best there. lives. Yeah, like you know that kind Love of was that. the trope at the time. Like you know a woman can't get along with her husband, so. These four women, you know, have each other. And then there's and B. Then, Arthur, like, fuck you, But bitches. after that was another, like, yeah. spinoff, Empty Nest, which is about an old guy whose kids, like, you know, kind of moved out, but are, like, kind of still there, and it's like... Who are awful messes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, basically, they're, they're, they're out of his life, but they're still, like, kind of depending on him, and, like, holy crap, this is all really depressing now that I think... Yeah. Even Amen was really depressing because you had a, you lived with his adult daughter who was like a little bit slow, <laughs> and it was oh, it's just really a bum out. And two two seven could get depressing as well. I love that show. Yeah, but that was in the Saturday Night lineup too. That was like uh, yeah, yeah. That was like the that was the earlier part, and then it was Golden Girls and Empty Nest. And Nurses, the Empty Nest spinoff, rare spinoff of a spinoff. Really. Wow. I, uh, I like again. I vaguely remember that, but that was like a, that was more like a drama, wasn't it, or was it a no, Nurses was a was a comedy. It was it was based around Richard Mulligan's um, that Southern nurse that he had on Empty Nest, who was yes. in Breaking from Mars. It was based around her, and like the people who worked in the hospital with her. Wow, that's pretty. Huh. That's pretty downward spiral. It's like spin off of the spin off of the spin off. Well, yeah. yeah, copy of a copy. <laughs> um, so, what's your theme song that brings you joy and happiness? Oh God. I'm trying to think of ones that are, like are always stuck in my head. Like I'm, you know, obviously the, the easy answer is like Cheers. That's the Beatles of theme songs. Like yeah, you can't, yeah. You can't go there. Um, I have to think about that one now. You got the Monsters, the Adams Family, but which like the classic '60s ones. Yeah, yeah, the ones that everybody knows. Yeah, the Brady Bunch and that sort of thing. Okay, my favorite is the Full House theme song. I'm sorry, it just brings me that so much good. happiness. That is a good one. That's a great theme song. That and Saved by the Bell, like top two, right there. And, and in the same genre as the Full House theme song, I also enjoy the Perfect Strangers theme song. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, they play, Oh, God, now it's, it's like on the tip of my tongue. I know this song. Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes <laughs> you America just or Borst. get a feeling like you need some kind of change. Okay. Is it coming to you? As it's yeah. standing tall, tall on the wings. 
Smoke up my dreams. This is my favorite podcast now because we got Seymour to sing. <laughs> the rain yes. and thunder, the wind and haze, I was bound for better days. <laughs> gets all, gets all soulful. Yeah, my yeah. life, it's my dream. Nothing's so gonna stop, stop me. Yeah. Then has that weird little harmonica part. Yeah. Mr. Belvedere is a good one. Oh, Freak Song of China. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. on Redbone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another weird like sitcom trope. Like we just found this English dude and now he lives with us. Like he's our butler, kind of. Oh yeah. Oh, my well, God, that was Mr. A... Beauregard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a. It was a uh, it was a weird subgenre in the '80s that was referred to as the Manny subgenre. So you had Mr. Belvedere, Charles in Charge, who's the yes. boss. Charles there was like a whole Charles. bunch of them. You're right. Charles, good one. And and I've never I never knew anyone that had a housekeeper or, or a, a nanny or a Manny. Oh but hell it, no! Yeah, it's like a crusty old white people thing. <laughs> yeah, well, that I, was like yeah, that was featured quite a bit on uh, on like primetime in the '80s. Silver oh. spoons. Some yeah. Like the epitome of that, though. <laughs> um, Just remember that. That had a good theme. Yeah, every, every kid in America wanted that damn train. Oh, yeah, and an arcade in your house. My favorite um, my favorite of that subgenre is a show called I Marry Dora. Are you familiar with that show? No. I, you, like, I remember the name now that you just mentioned it, yeah. It was on Somebody ABC. Married, like the housekeeper or something. Yes. Yeah, and it was Elizabeth Pena, who is amazing in Jacob's Ladder and uh, is no longer with us, but is a really great actress. LaBamba. And it was <laughs> Yes, LaBamba. And, um, and uh, Juliette Lewis was in it. It was one of the first things she did oh as uh, the daughter. And it was a pretty okay sitcom where this guy married his housekeeper so she could stay in the country. But it had one of the most mind-blowing endings of a sitcom ever. And when I was a kid... It, I was literally like disturbed spoil for weeks. It, spoil it. Let's go. So last episode, uh, it's you know they they just married for convenience, but the whole season it's like oh maybe they really love each other. Will they? Won't they? And then the dad is flying. Uh, away to go on a new job and Elizabeth Payne decides she really loves him so she runs to the airport she's gonna tell him and she misses he gets on the flight she misses him but then he walks out and she's like what are you doing and he goes it's cancelled and she goes your flight's cancelled and he goes no our series is cancelled and then the camera pulls back what? and shows the whole crew and the audience and then just fades to black what the fuck yeah and nobody <laughs> did that kind of now. thing yeah, no one did that when you were, it was just like a normal sitcom. It never broke the fourth wall ever. Oh, and so damn. it's like, what the hell just happened? That's that's those are people who are pissed off about being fucking canceled right there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. I love it. Um, um I, I I now have two paths in my head that I want to go down. I have to try to remember them both, but like in the eighties, like there were a lot of times when sitcoms could be like absolutely terrifying. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, are you going to talk about my favorite thing to talk the about? The Punky Brewster one? Punky what Brewster? Perils yeah. of Punky? Is yeah. it the Perils of Punky two-part? Yes, when they're, they're lost in the cave and like... I discovered yeah. through the magic of the internet recently, and I was so upset about it, I came running out of the bedroom, and I was just like, have you ever seen this shit? He's like, yeah, Which this thing? is what I grew up on, congratulations. <laughs> Which thing terrified you the most? Was it the jelly-faced Alan or the skeleton cherry? Um, I think it was the, the, the jelly-faced. Yeah, was, yeah, didn't Alan have, like, like teeth, like, big punky. teeth? Yeah, yeah they were, like, big green teeth with, like, yeah. punky. Yeah, terrifying. Oh punky so did an episode about the Night Stalker. What? <laughs> yeah. 
Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, was a plot device in a Punky Brewster episode. Oh, and she was... It was in season two. She was terrified of being murdered by the Night Stalker. So uh, uh, she should be. Yeah, and so uh, Henry had to have a conversation with her about uh, sometimes there's bad people in the world. Isn't there a whole thing on Punky Brewster? I only know this because of like the YouTube poop genre, where like they would like you don't know what YouTube poop is? Uh, it's like when they like take a video and they like make it like dank, basically. They're like like that. Okay. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking I'm, about? Yeah. I don't, but. I'm smiling and nodding. Yeah. You kids in like, your lingo. Take it and then like put songs in there and they're like. They'll, kind like, of memeify it, it, basically. Yeah, memeify yeah. it, basically. Um, so they did one, like, it was the Punky Brewster episode where like they're telling them not to hide in refrigerators. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> episode. What the fuck was that? I was like, is that, that episode thing? was. That episode was written by an eight-year-old, a kid named Jeremy Reams. They had a contest to write a Punky Brewster episode, and he won. And it's the one where where Cherry gets locked in the fridge. They also had a. Where is oh, yeah. he? Like, can we have I've, him on the podcast? I've so tried to find him. I've looked for him so hard and haven't been able to find him. And he's actually in the episode. In the beginning of the episode, um, Henry Warnemont's like tonight's episode's written by Jeremy Reams, age eight, I and he's like. It's amazing. They had a Challenger, a Space Shuttle Challenger episode of Punky Brewster. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, every kid in America was scarred by that one. I remember, like, because he was on at school. And yeah. Like, oh, okay, let's, uh, let's turn this off. Let's, uh. Yikes. The meanest thing I've ever heard on television was uttered in a Punky Brewster episode. <laughs> it was Alan, who's the world's biggest dick. He was always an asshole. <laughs> And there's an episode where they have a janitor, and she's an idiot savant. She's she's mentally challenged, but she's amazing at playing the violin. Okay. And, uh, they're listening to classical music in class, and she starts sort of mimicking in the back. She has a, a feather duster, and she's sort of mimicking the violin motions. And Alan turns around, and he goes, "What are you gonna do next? Play a mop solo?" <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck, Alan? There was always like that one dick kid in every sitcom, like on Full House. It was like that little the little kid. What's his name? Aaron or whatever the fuck he was. There's always yeah. one dick kid in the whole, like, like... It gets worse, though. So Alan says that to her, which is is kind of funny. Like, I'll give it to him. Yeah. But Punky goes, Alan, stop it. You're hurting her feelings. And then he says this on a kid's show in the 80s. goes, she doesn't have feelings. She's a retard. <laughs> oh what the fuck? That went, you know, I didn't expect that part. I thought the first part was it. No, that's a real thing that happened. And then uh, the teacher's like, you have to write a report on the Special Olympics. And he's like, oh, come on. It's yeah, that's, you're lucky that's all that happened. I would, like, beat my kid. Oh, horrific. So bad just watching it. That's Whoa, really crazy. Yeah. You dropped an R-bomb? Yeah. And he said she didn't have feelings. Even worse, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Alan, like, Alan's parents. What the fuck, Alan's parents? TV's biggest asshole. Yeah, he was in the episode in the fridge he can't help cherry because he gets kicked out of class when they're learning cpr because he's cracking jokes like they have a recessa annie doll oh and uh he goes first ask her if she can breathe and, and mike the teacher goes annie are you okay and alan goes why don't you kiss me and find out <laughs> well, he gets kicked out of class and he doesn't know uh, he doesn't know cpr and cherry almost dies because of it now he knows not to be a dick during cpr class fucking yeah. alan <laughs> how, uh, old, how old were these kids by the way like eight or nine probably yeah if an eight or nine year old like i teach eight or nine year olds like if one of them said that like what like 
I don't even know how I would react. Like, well, like <laughs> you're eight years old. Like, what? Yeah. Not okay. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> the other path I was thinking of uh, stressed out was now. like sitcoms that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stressed out. I'm so sorry. And I still need a minute with this Alan thing. <laughs> well, here's the worst thing. Alan used to wear that sweatshirt that he cut the sleeves off, but kept the wrist parts. Yes. Yeah. What? He had like the sweatbands on his wrist. Yeah. yeah, he made sweatbands like out of sweatshirt cuffs. I'm gonna Google it... him because I forget what he looks like. I'm just picturing the blonde kaz- kid. I'm picturing the kazoo the kid. You know, kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what I'm picturing right now. <laughs> um, but the other thing, the other kind of like path I wanted to uh, go down was um, like sitcoms that had really like fucked up endings that like didn't resolve things or like like you know like like the My Mary Dora one. Like what the hell? Yeah. I, you know. The one that to this day still bothers me, Sledgehammer. Yeah, <laughs> like the end- they did a brilliant thing though with that. Really? Yeah. So season one, are you talking about the A bomb? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, if anybody's not familiar with it, it was like a Naked Gun ripoff kind of. Yeah, it was really funny show. Yeah. Oh, I loved it as a kid. Like, and the at the end of the show, basically, the in the finale, they're all around this like giant nuclear bomb that's about to go off, and then you know. Here comes the bumbling detective to like to disarm the bomb, and you just see like a mushroom cloud, and you hear yeah. the, the the boss who's like catch line was hammer, and that was the end of it. Yeah, well, see, they thought that show was going to get canceled, so they ended it in a big way, and then it didn't get canceled. Really? And so for season two, they did a brilliant thing where, because how do you write your way out of uh, an A bomb going off? They changed the title to Sledgehammer: The Early Years. <laughs> And it became a prequel show, but they just never mentioned it again. No, sh- I honestly did not know that. I like, I, sw- yeah. I could have sworn, like, you know, if you had asked me, that was the end of that show. Like, I didn't realize they did that. I mean, they wrote it to be, so that would have been, you know, as a kid again. You, as far as you know, everyone just died. Yeah, like at the end of dinosaurs. I don't know if you were gonna. Oh my God, I remember that, that was one, one of my too, favorite yeah. shows. Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, Stuart Penkin on, who was the voice of Earl Sinclair, and. You know, the letters they got from people who were so upset on that last episode. And Jim Henson was basically like, hey, they're dinosaurs. What do you think happened? I was going to say, like, what, how did you want it to end? But it was so depressing. But the last line in that show is the baby asking, are we going to die? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I the was, baby is awesome. Yeah, oh, wow. I, I totally forgot. Well, that one you hear every now and again, but I honestly did not know about the sledgehammer. So, side note, oh, yeah. I googled Alan and the... Only thing that came up was the face the coming out of the Alan wall. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I hate you, Google. Like, oh, why? Oh. Why do this? Donkey. <laughs> why? Like, why? Ah. Uh. Was there any? Was there any like sitcom like that that just like I mean like to this day still uh, bothers you how it ended? For like an ending, let me see. Well, I am I am kind why? of put out by the way just the 10 of us ended because it, it was canceled uh, and it shouldn't have been yeah I, I, I remember watching that I don't remember how it ended it's a very it was a very funny show and a great ensemble cast it was I loved Growing Pains up until season 3 yeah. and then after season 3 all the good writers left because Kurt uh, Kurt um Kurt Cameron was such an uh, insufferable dick mm-hmm. that they all left and went to just the 10 of us and the show was really funny show yeah, and uh, it was a really funny show, and what happened was these producers, Miller Boyette, who did all the TGIF shows, they wanted the whole night to be shows they produced, and they didn't produce just the 10 of us, so the network moved it, didn't have any other place to put it, and just canceled it out of the blue, and it actually got really good ratings, so they uh, they just died. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> 
Yeah, they never got like a, a send off, and then it wasn't really oh, a. Away. I think when they actually yeah. Died in the show. I mean, well, no, well that happened in Valerie. That's the one that always sticks with me. Yeah, they, they changed to uh, Valerie's family. Yeah, and then the Hogan family, but she, it was called Valerie. It was her show, and they killed her off because she wanted a producer credit. They just just completely unceremoniously killed her. Yeah, I and they just, reshot. Just started with oh yeah, she died. Yeah, about two minutes <laughs> into the episode, Jason Bateman's like, things haven't been the same since mom died. Wow, that's, I'm shook right now by all this TV knowledge that I'm getting. Um, <laughs> we uh, we used to have someone who used to be on the show like when we first started. Who um, he was absolutely fascinated with the progression of uh, Family Matters. How, oh yeah, like it started as like you know a family like a, like a reality based family. Yeah, it's a blue collar show about a cop and an elevator operator. Yes, and then like it evolved like into the last season. There was like time travel and like. Weird. Robots, yeah, weird shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, shows, shows inherently get weirder when they go more than five seasons. Like, almost every show that lasted more than five seasons gets weirder because they've just kind of done everything. Yeah, but do uh, something. Yeah, it ended very weird too. Michelle oh, had yeah. memory loss. Fell off, fell off a horse. horse, and like she got memory loss, and then she didn't know if she was gonna remember anything. And then at the end, she like finally got her memory back. But that was the last episode of Full House, and like Danny just like ended his engagement right before that, and like none of those ends were tied up, and Steve randomly came back from college, and it was like kind of okay, and it was just weird. Have you watched Fuller House? I've watched the first season, and the first three episodes were very infuriating to me, especially. I was very confused why Stephanie Tanner would wear that boob top to a family function. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was like yeah. the one thing was. I, I understand it's supposed to be like a DJ it. or whatever, but we're sitting there watching like. Why? Yeah. Why is she showing off her boobs at a family party? Yeah. Did they ever? Did they tie up any of the loose ends? Uh, well, DJ has a husband who tragically dies. That's how it starts. Wonderful. Like, oh yeah, I guess she's all by herself, so everyone's gonna come live with her, just like on Full House. But it's like, why can the like, tragedy stop befalling the Tanner family? Like, please, like. <laughs> Oh, what did sure. they do? Yeah. There's no Michelle. Have you seen San Francisco real estate prices lately? I'm sure the Tanner family is well off if they sold that house anytime. Like, no, I've been to that, that house. house. Have you really? Yeah, I went to that house when I was in San Francisco. <laughs> That's my goal is to drive across the Golden Gate Bridge, blasting the theme song, and then go to the house. That's my goal. I don't want you to feel too jealous, but I did that. <laughs> oh my God. Ken's living my dream life. Putting on sunglasses as you're going over the bridge. In the hey, yeah. I did go to a Beach Boys concert, and John Stamos came out and sang forever to me. Nice. Nice. Not really to me, but it felt like it was to me. <laughs> it might as well have been. Yeah, I love whenever I'm on the West Coast, I try to go to as many like TV houses as I can. Have you been to the Buffy house? Because that's uh, I wanted to do that too. Yep, Brady Bunch house. I've been to the high school from The Wonder Years, the high school from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I went to Andy's house from Pretty in Pink, um, the Chase's house from My So Called Life, and Krakow's house, which is right across the street. Uh, <laughs> house from Nightmare on Elm Street, the Halloween houses. I, I oh. love that stuff. Do you know Halloween's like my favorite movie of all time ever? So. Oh God! If you ever go out there, at the uh, not not the Myers house, but Tommy Doyle's house from the end, is on this street right off of Hollywood Boulevard, and it's right actually near the Nightmare on Elm Street house, and right across the street oh, is the other house. And it's the same. It's just right there. It's the weirdest thing. I go every time I go. We probably weren't that far away last time we were there. Uh, didn't they film <laughs> this last season of American Horror Story at the... Haddonfield? Isn't, isn't it supposed to be like Haddonfield? 
Yeah, and but it's those side streets. Like, did you go to Meltdown Comics at all when you were right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that, then Mike, the uh, uh, Tommy Doyle house is like a block from there. Okay, we have to go oh, back to California. Oh, no shit. Can we just cancel our whole honeymoon and just go back <laughs> to California? I'm like, yeah. I'll give you a <laughs> Yeah, really. I, uh, yeah, I, oh, that's crazy. We just, we were in Salem. We went to the, uh, I went the to the Hocus, Hocus Pocus house. That's all I wanted, Aye. too. Aye. That was nice. They shot uh, two. Oh, two weeks, they shot four episodes of the original Bewitched in Salem as well. Yeah, there was this. That's why there was the statue. That right. We oh yeah. It. Okay. I tried to find it, but yeah, it's kind of out of the center of town. It's over by this really good Army Navy store. Okay. Yeah. No, it was raining, and it was like very annoying to be out there, especially because it's super haunted, and I had no cell service the entire time. Yeah. So yeah. hard to navigate. Did you go to the Laurie Cabot Witch Store where you can buy spells? What? No, yeah. no, but I did do a witch photo op. I paid for nice. that. Laurie Cabot is the official Salem witch, and she's just this old hippie that was a, it was like the only Wiccan in Massachusetts in the 70s. And she was on TV all the time when I was growing up. They did a whole episode of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy about her, oh, where she tried to do a, a ritual to change the weather. Laurie cool Cabot, yeah. She's still around. I think her daughter runs the store now, but uh, it was really weird for me as a kid because you would see her on TV all the time to just be able to walk into her store and she's like, here's a spell for success. Oh, all right, thanks. Does she pick what spell she gives you or do you get to pick it? No, you can pick them out. They're like in little bottles. Like they'll be like, sex spell, love spell. And then like, you go and buy them. I'll and then take she'll 17 tell you. sex spells. <laughs> yeah. Like... She'll tell you how to use them. <laughs> It's not That's the amazing. size of your sex spell. It's yeah. how you use it. Yeah. how you use it. We went to the Monster Museum. That was like the one. Oh, nice. Oh, Count Orlocks? Yeah. yeah, Count Orlocks is great. Uh, I know the guy who runs that play. I went to Monster Palooza with him uh, in, in Pasadena back in March. Oh, wow. he, was, he was buying new stuff for the museum. It was awesome. I, my only regret is that it wasn't larger and I couldn't take all well, they're the They're moving things. now, so hopefully it'll be a little yeah. larger. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the Mr. Barlow? No. Oh, he, he he might not have had it this year, but he has a, a Mr. Barlow from Salem's Lot that is horrifically... Oh, oh, oh. yeah, no, I did see that. Yeah, it's, it's like the bald vampire, right? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, we did see it. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that, a really awesome museum. I love that one. I really like the yeah. Bette Midler wax statue that was, or whatever, the statue that's in there. Oh, yeah. Of her in Hocus Pocus. It'd be funny if it was just like her in in like uh, in like what's the oh man I I blew it big business yeah for the boys <laughs> <laughs> no her in ben Seinfeld Miller. when she was in Rochelle Rochelle yeah softball Ben Miller from Seinfeld <laughs> oh, that's my favorite Ben Miller um we were talking about Full House a minute ago and that is a piece of like very you know, popular pop culture that I absolutely despise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, <laughs> you're wrong. I remember that horrible. show came on when I was in second grade and I still remember being like, this is like too like sweet and like goofy, even for me. It was like a girl show. Yeah. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast just on full house, like, and all the different episodes, but I just read an article recently and it like ruined, it ruined a lot of full house for me. Because it was Why? about how fucking mean everybody is to Kimmy Gibbler. Like, what the oh, yeah. hell? Those are like grown adults being mean to a young child, calling her ugly, telling her she sucks all the time, telling her to go home and nobody likes her. Like, she obviously comes from a neglectful home. 
and she just wants to be in a stable family, and they keep yeah. shutting her down. Just Why? wants to be. <laughs> strong opinions about Kimmy Gibbler. Um, is there anything like you know super popular like that that you like also just can't stand? Uh, I never liked Star Wars. <laughs> oh really? Oh damn. Yeah, I never liked the Indiana Jones movies. Karate Kid never got into. Wow. Uh, yeah, Star Wars is the big one. <laughs> I was listening to your show the other day. And I heard you mention that you didn't like Star Trek, and that I can absolutely identify with. Yeah. Um, like Star Trek, because when I was a kid, like I had it like forced on me, like. I had a I had an uncle who was a big Trekkie, so he would like take us to the movies, and like he you know, every time there was a Star Trek movie, we got dragged to see Star Trek. Like, so at the time, like, I didn't really appreciate it, so I it really like I just could not stand Star Trek. And like now that I'm older, I can appreciate it a little bit more, but at the same time, yeah. I still have an aversion to it. You know, my parents were like, huge Trekkies, so I I also never got into it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Yeah, like you're about it's like their their lame music that they listen to or something, but it's <laughs> now like I. Listen I to it. I just, I, I've sort of come around a little bit, I was a horror guy and comic book guy, so sci-fi was really boring to me, because it was like horror with, I forget who said this, and it might have been Stephen King, but he said that uh, sci-fi is just horror with an explanation, <laughs> and so that like always kind of bothered me, I was like, wow, and so I, I would always just rather watch a horror thing, and I, the reason I don't like Star Trek, I think, is probably one of the reasons most people do, and it's that it's a very utopian uh, speculative fiction, so it, it's very utopian, it's very um, uh, positive about humanity, yeah. <laughs> and for some reason I found that very boring. <laughs> I don't like when people are positive about humanity. Yeah, just didn't, like as a kid, it just didn't didn't make for interesting stories to me. I, I've sort of come around a little bit now, but it, it it's still like can't. It's like a Northeast thing in general, just a lack of faith in humanity. <laughs> yeah, oh wrong. totally. Totally. Especially growing up in Brooklyn, I have no faith in the human race. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn, I was terrified. Like, I wouldn't, I was so scared to go to New York because to me, it was all the warriors or escape from New York. Right? Or, you know, just like that, that, you know, 1977, the Bronx, you know, tenements. True story, though. The warrior was, was filmed because it was filmed in Coney Island. My uncle's firehouse is in Coney Island and all of their fire fighter like regalia has the warriors like on it so it just nice. makes it that much cool. more real and yeah. horrifying nice That's, like very very terrifying for me as a child to watch it should things. be it should be see i yeah because i had family in new york i had family in like the lower east side of manhattan i had like you know family in brooklyn so it was never really like that much of a mystery to me i knew there were bad parts like what shocked me was like gentrification like as I got older, <laughs> yeah, I remember That's this so was um, this was probably ten years ago, and like we were, uh, it was me and another friend of mine from here. We were going down to visit another one of our friends who happened to live in New York. She was bringing us to a party in Brooklyn. She's like, um, she, I'm like, oh, where is it? I'm just like, Park Slope. And I'm like, are you? I'm not Park Slope. Uh, fucking uh, Rainpoint. Bed Stuy. No, shit. Where that was? Ah, oh. you're ruining your story. Bushwick. Bushwick. Oh, yeah. yeah, she's like, it's in Bushwick. I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Like, we'll get stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> like, but when we got there, it was like hipsters as far as the eye could see. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, when I always think of New York, it's all like Basket Case and and Frankenhooker and like Maniac. <laughs> you know, it's like these like sleazy, gross, grimy Urban hellscape. Like. Yeah, and it's not Honestly, like that's that. Kind of what Bensonhurst is like. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I grew up. So. I grew up on the cusp of 
Bensonhurst and Diker Heights. So Diker Heights is where all those fancy Christmas lights are in oh, yeah. that are famous. And then there was like the other side was like Bensonhurst is like that's where all like the seedy Italian delis are. I'm like <laughs> Get out of here, we're closed. Yeah, exactly. Like Saturday Night Fever, like under the D train, like like shit. Like literally that's where it was filmed was New Utrecht. Like yeah. welcome back to even- was filmed at New Utrecht. Whatever. Even stuff like Sesame Street, which was supposed to be in Brooklyn as well, like it's grimy. Like if you watch Sesame Street when we were growing up, like that, it's a dirty garbage dump. Like those There's streets a are not. Person, There's a dirty yeah. person garbage. <laughs> yeah, they make it look filthy. You know, they, it doesn't look clean and nice. It's like a, it's like a real urban sort of almost post-apocalyptic looking set. Yeah, the dingy ass stoop and shit. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, I Star Trek never uh, never really did it for me. I don't, um, and I don't know why Star Wars never. I just never. It just seemed boring to me. Like I just I've tried to rewatch it. I did really like Rogue One. I, I think that was the first Star Wars thing. That, that is a really good movie. I, see, I, that was the I, that was always like on that side of the Star Wars versus Star Trek equation. Like I was always a Star Wars guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, if I had to pick between those two, I'd go with Star Wars for sure. I didn't get into Star Wars till like, obviously much later. Like, probably in high school is when I watched, like, the original trilogy. Because uh, I grew up on the clone, the Attack of the Clones, like, all those movies. I got and made fun of I didn't know. mercilessly for years. I didn't know any better. Uh, because one time my friend, Tim Morinaga... He like he called me up. He's like, hey. On his podcast, right? He's like, hey. He's like, come on out. We're like, you know, we're gonna go ride our bike somewhere, and you know, blow shit up with firecrackers or something like. Is that what you did up? And I was like, uh, no, nah, <laughs> I'm watching Star Wars, and like for years, like, hey, we're gonna go do this. Uh, are you gonna come or do you want to go watch Star Wars? Like, I would be like, want to go watch Star Wars? Bye, leave yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, yeah. everyone. Gonna make me leave the house? What are you crazy? You're fucking out of your mind. Um, before uh, Ken said something that was like kind of made me think of something else you said you were trying to get like somebody on your podcast that's like was like obscure tv person was the dude who wrote the the punky brewster yeah, oh jeremy Reen. Brewster yeah. episode. my one yeah. person from old television that nobody gives a shit about that i would love to have on this podcast is kirk fogg the host of legends of the hidden temple i've been oh, yeah. trying to find him on the internet for years and i cannot find kirk fogg so he does not want to be found <laughs> yeah. He just wants to. What if he his... actually like went hunting for a real hidden temple, like was trying to well, get the show going? Like... He was in the new Legends of the Hidden Temple movie, which I have not seen because like they like released it and like didn't tell anybody about. But right it. now he could be lost in some jungle somewhere, and like you, know, you gotta go find. He's gonna come down yeah. on a cool rope in his cool um, denim shirt and khaki pants, and <laughs> it's gonna be the cool. original Survivor. There, uh, there's a lot of stuff about how they treated the kids on that show really badly. <laughs> like, uh, didn't one kid? I read a story about a kid who threw up in that ball pit. Yeah. And they had to, like, stop everything and, like, drain it all out. Like, oh, yeah. Bobbing everywhere. Because they, like, really pushed them super hard. And apparently the monkey was very heavy, and that's why nobody knew how to assemble it. I think I could do it. It was another interesting subgenre of, like, 80s and 90s TV was oh, the uh, game shows. the kids in, like, fucked up obstacle courses shows. Oh, Funhouse. Like, uh, Finders Keepers. Remember that one? That's I like, always wanted to be on that one. Yeah. That was on. Um, Just- Nick Gass, they used to show all the reruns of those old shows. Yep. You just trash a house. Yeah. Like, that's every kid's dream. Rip it apart looking for a specific object. 
Yep, Funhouse. Uh, fun there was also a great one called, um, it was the second season of a show called Video Power with a character named Johnny Arcade. And the first, it was a strip show, so it was on every, you know, Monday through Friday. And the first season of it, it was just this kid Johnny Arcade in his bedroom giving you tips on video games, and it had this really lame Captain N, the Game Master ripoff cartoon, but it was just the Acclaim character, so it was like Bigfoot and like rude dudes. It was terrible. So the second season, they re they redid it with Johnny Arcade again, but it was basically a Funhouse ripoff. And at the end, you ran through this mall with a Velcro suit sticking video game cartridges to it, and you got to keep everything that was stuck to your suit. Oh, I have they, they, I was they, say, this. Do you remember they would do like Nickelodeon things where like you had to go to the toy store and put everything in your Super basket? Toy Run. Yeah, my Toys R Us Toy Run. I wanted to do that so badly, I like legit trained for it, and my mom would just be like, "Why are you throwing things onto my car? You're not buying anything." Yeah. Amanda, stop it. My parents dropped me off at Child World and they would go play Kino or something. And uh, I would seriously have, I had a stopwatch and I would time myself and see what I could get in the cart. And then I'd just, you know, leave a full cart of toys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that kid again. Here we go. <laughs> He's training for yeah. something. We don't know what. We uh we had like a local uh like department store chain around here called Joys and they had like a like a spin-off basically called Toys for Joy. There was a toy <laughs> store. And they had this thing every year on your birthday you could go. It was like a giant treasure chest surrounded by all these keys. And like if you got the right key that opened the treasure chest like it, you won this like shopping spree basically. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. So this. So I remember. You I know went there was no year. key, right? They just. <laughs> Fuck you! I I I <laughs> I, uh, I went one year, right? And like I, I you know just like you know trying to pick the right key it took me forever. Like my parents were probably pissed off at me. Like just pick a fucking key, kid. Like you know. <laughs> so like, I finally pick a key. You know I'm up the. You know, I'm like sweating and shaking. I put it in and it fucking goes in, and I'm like. <gasps> holy shit I'm winning like I won I won like, and then it just didn't turn and I'm oh. like fuck did you ever know anyone that won no I'm telling you there was no key there was no yeah. key I believe there was a key come on this was this was a simpler time excuse me Joyce for toy <laughs> Joyce is for that, toy they, whatever your name is are they out of business now oh they're long gone probably they probably yeah, I don't know why because kids probably came and burned down the store and they realized there was no fucking key the goddamn key <laughs> Where's the key, bitch? I remember another memorable, for some reason, memory from that store. I was, I was probably like four or five, and like they also had like a video rental section. And I just I remember I picked up, uh, I think it was Alligator, the movie or something. Like, yep. Had a giant alligator on it, and I remember like I wanted to go show my dad, like, can we rent this? And like I just grabbed some dude's hand. And I'm like, can we rent rent this? And it, and was it wasn't my dad. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the, like worst. the worst moment of anyone's that's life. That's right up there with calling your teacher mom or dad. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing, actually, I was in a I was in a child world department store, um, which was called the Children's Place in New York, and um, you remember they had they still make them, but they're like rubber frogs with like a squeaky in the mouth, and you yes. squeeze them and they squeak. So yeah, so I was just wandering around the store, and there was a big bin full of those frogs, and I picked one up. And I squeezed it, but instead of squeaking, all its guts came out of its mouth because it wasn't one of those frogs. I <laughs> kidded to the teenager section. They used to sell dissection kits. You could buy a frog in formaldehyde to dissect. And he opened it up and put it in that bin with the frog. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, it literally was like toothpaste. It puked out all his guts. I dropped it and just started screaming. And then just burned my hand washing it. <laughs> and I wish you could see my face right now because my mouth was literally like open <laughs> just now. Yeah. Holy I'm like, shit. 
as an adult, I'm like, clearly a teenager did this. And you know what? Very creative. Yeah. But at the time, you know maybe the most horrific yeah. thing. I'm scarred for life, but I'm going to let this one slide because it's kind of funny. I think it's creative. Yeah. award for like the worst, <laughs> the worst thing that ever happened in childhood. Like, oh Can you imagine? God. You go pick up a toy and then guts shoot out of it? <laughs> like a hug a teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> you hug a teddy bear and like you just hear its neck snap. Like, oh. Yeah, or like one of those baby dolls that wet their pants and it just really is filled with piss. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh wow, I really good. I, I remember the worst thing that ever happened to me in a toy store was uh Oh my god, I, I got yelled at once. I again I was probably like you know, five, six because I uh they had these little like whistles that were shaped like the snorks. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I blew into the whistle and like they're like, "Hey, you gonna buy that now?" I'm like, <laughs> like I just started crying. Did you run? Yeah, no, my uncle was with me. And he bought it for me. Oh nice! But I was nice. crying Aww. profusely. Yeah. Aww, that's cute. I always used to care. Stole a fuck ton of things from the toy store when she was Did like she? a baby. She was like literally like eight months old. She would just put shit underneath her cat. Like she knew where to fucking hide it. And then nice. she'd be like, the, the, it, it would beep and my mom would be like, oh, it's okay. She's just a baby. And she'd go buy everything for her. And I'm like, if I stole That's something. That's a good like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. The baby she, doesn't know any better. She was literally like nine months old. Like you could totally see her like wink. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing, girl. Like. Why does the baby want a Rolex? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, she was the worst. Uh, I used, uh, as a kid, I used to always carry a switchblade comb. You know, yes. like a little kid. Oh, yeah. At uh, the Topsfield Fair, which is like a state fair here in Massachusetts. And I uh, was probably on a school field trip. Which, side note, this kid, Paul Collins, bought a giant pickle at this... Uh, at the <laughs> Love giant pickles. What pickle? This thing was huge. And he ate it every day at lunch for like two weeks. <laughs> it was like Homer's giant sub in that one. <laughs> Teacher named Mr. McQuaid, who on like day 14 of this kid eating this pickle, literally went over to him and slapped it out of his hands and went, Paul, that pickle is rank! <laughs> <laughs> Which was a classic, classic tagline for everyone in my town for years. I was going uh, last well through high school. Uh, was yeah. that like in everybody's yearbook quote, like somewhere? Oh, that pickle is right. He slapped a pickle out of a 10-year-old's hands. Uh, it was rotten. It was disgusting. But I was, uh, I was, so I was walking. Yeah, who wouldn't? I mean, it's, it's just a teacher looking out for the kid's best interest. Uh, but I had this switchblade comb, and I flipped it open to comb my hair, and a carny tackled me. <laughs> and, then I, and I got kicked out because they thought I had a switchblade. Oh, my God. He's got a knife! Exactly! You've had a really bad childhood. Like, you should oh maybe God, write yeah. a book about it. <laughs> That's good. I like Working it. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Your oh, pain man. is somebody we've, else's uh, Believe it or not, we've been doing this for over an hour. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, absolutely not. We've been having an awesome time. This has been awesome. I, uh, yeah. It's been so great. I, I just don't want to keep you all night. <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, tell uh, you know, tell folks where they can uh, you know get to know Ken Reed. Where where can they uh, find the interwebs uh, and stuff? yeah. I'm at uh, iCanRead.com. That's I-K-E-N-R-E-I-D.com. KenRead.com was taken by a conservative southern politician who I do get emails for, and I always answer them. <laughs> and I was once quoted in a paper in Virginia, and he was very angry. Uh, <laughs> hey, they never checked out their source, and I didn't know who the school board was, but I did. I'm, go uh, yeah, so. I'm not responsible for poor journalism. Look. 
Um, links on there to the podcast, or you can go to tvguidancecounselor.com. Uh, and my schedule and all my social media links are all up on those. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I hate to put the brakes on this conversation. This is like one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, it's been so great. But, Ken, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Yay! Really great to talk to you guys. Uh, This has been Transmissions from the Evil Lair. I'm Seymour. I'm Andisa Blundy. And one last huge thank you to Ken Reed for joining us. Thanks. (laughs) 